It's Daily Thunder, the special holiday edition. The Ellerslie campus is closed through Christmas break, but Daily Thunders are still booming forth daily through this podcast. For those of you that like to enjoy Daily Thunder live and in person on the Ellerslie campus, mark your calendars for our relaunch on Monday, January 13th. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. This episode is part of a special series entitled The 12 Days of Christmas and is delivered by special guest Philip Hartman. So Nathan asked me to do a message on sort of this idea of New Year's and spiritual disciplines. So this is what I was assigned, was New Year's and spiritual disciplines. <clears throat> and I'm not going to talk through the history again, because Dan has already covered that really well. But I do want to talk through one little bit of history, which Dan sort of hit on. In, in his message, which was on New Year's and sort of a focus going into a new year, it, I want to talk a little bit about the history of these ideas of New Year's resolutions. I think New Year's resolutions, Dan mentioned it, 8% or less are fulfilled. And much of it is, is because many men and women are looking to the flesh to try and overcome the flesh. It's like Paul talks about where he talks about touch not, taste not, handle not, and that these have an appearance of wisdom. Right, setting up a bunch of rules for yourself. Well, I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to not touch this, and I'm not going to taste this. But that has an appearance of wisdom, but but it doesn't have any power over the flesh. And as we're talking about spiritual disciplines in in, in light of this this new year that is coming up, it, we could very easily begin to talk about touch not, taste not, handle not. You know, when I wake up, the first thing I'm going to do is, is I'm not going to do this, and I am going to do this, and 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 thinking that somehow. A, a routine, and, and routines aren't bad, right? Uh, but, but that a routine is going to somehow make me spiritually disciplined. Or if I have this list of do this and don't do this, if that's going to make me spiritual disciplined. And, and so I want to address that a little bit today. But as we're talking about this idea of New Year's and, and New Year's resolutions, I was pondering this idea of the New Year itself. And, and Dan talked about some of the history of the Babylonians, and, and at the same time, we see in the Jewish or the, the Israel nation, these sacrifices that were made yearly. And I want to go back to Exodus 12, where God speaks to Moses, and this is where we sort of see this, this God establishing the, the calendar year, and this, this month that is the first year. So here, God speaking to Moses, the, the, this is the tenth plague, as the people of Israel are about to come out of Egypt. This is a context for this. So Exodus 12, 1 through 14, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the, unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Isn't that interesting that that calendar was actually established by God? That he had actually took the time to communicate, this is the month that will be the beginning of the year, and, and establishes this calendar. <clears throat> he says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month. 
and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side of a post and the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat none of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Or sorry, but, but roasted with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remains of it until the morning, you shall burn a fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And so here we have, God establishes the month of Nisan as the first month of the year, and the context in which he establishes that is that the people of God in this first month of the year would remember Passover. That they would remember this blood that is pasted on the door and this lamb that is eaten within that house and the judgment that passed over them and yet came upon the Egyptians. And, and isn't that a, a, just a really neat thing? That, that, that God, in his establishment of their calendar year, made sure that they would remember what he had done in, in, in the sacrificial lamb, as it were. And in the same way, what would it be like if instead of going into the new year with, well, this resolve and that resolve, and like Dan was talking, a self-centered, me-centered focus, going in with this focus and this aim that is looking under the cross of Christ, that is remembering the cross of Christ, that the year in the Hebrew calendar is centered around the sacrificial lamb. And in the same way, the Christian should have, yes, every day of every, of every year established around us, but going in with our eyes fixed upon him, remembering his great sacrifice, remembering his work, and finding ourselves in that work. Uh, now, Dan mentioned Jonathan Edwards' resolutions, and he made 70 different resolutions, and I want to read you just a couple of these resolutions, because as we're talking about this idea of, of what are some of the, the, the Christian or godly resolutions, and how do we resolve to do something in Christ? And so I, I just want to read you a few of these as sort of a sampling. I mean, they're sort of a fun piece of history, uh, but it, it, here's what Jonathan Edwards sent, said. He said, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. Now, that yes, the Christian man or woman does resolve to do something, but we resolve to do it knowing that we are dependent upon his grace in order to do it. Yes, we do resolve, and yet we resolve with our confidence and our faith 
in the grace of God that has been promised to us for everything pertaining to life and, and godliness. So Jonathan Edwards actually put in his notes to remember these resolutions once a week. Isn't that interesting? That was actually something he would do. But I just want to read you a few of them. He said, Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Never to do anything which I would be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Like Dan said, these are our things that are, are forward-thinking and are eternal in their perspective. Resolved never to speak evil of anyone so that it shall tend to his dishonor more or less upon no account except for some real good. Resolved to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. Resolved never henceforth till I die to act as if I were any way my own, but entirely and altogether God's, agreeable to what is to be found. And then he goes on to Saturday, January 12th, 1723. I'm not sure what happened Saturday, January 12th, 1723. Resolved to think on all occasions of my own dying. Aren't these interesting? He says, resolved when I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom and of hell. It's a little different than most of the New Year's resolutions you hear about. He says, resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. It's sort of like Leonard Ravenhill talks about one hour inside of eternity. Are you going to think, oh man, I wish I'd prayed less. Oh man, I spent too much time preaching the gospel. Just too much time with my family and, and discipling them in the word and studying the word and seeking after God. I wish I'd watched a little more football. Or, or, you know, I wish I'd just worked out in the gym a little more so I could, you know, be a little better looking coming into the kingdom of God. Or, or I wish I'd, right? I don't think those are the things we're going to be thinking about. I, I think clearly not in those moments. He says, resolve never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolve never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God, nor be, suffer it, if I can avoid it. Resolved if I shall ever fall and grow dull, so as to neglect to keep any part of these resolutions, to repent of all I can remember when I come to myself again. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Isn't that great? Resolve to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. And lastly, resolve to live so at all times as I think is best in my devout frames and when I have clearest notions of things of the gospel and another world. And so as we're, as we're looking at this upcoming year, and as I'm talking about this idea of spiritual disciplines, you know, you know, there can be a tendency with spiritual disciplines to think that, let me give you an example. Oh, I'm not praying enough. Okay, well, well maybe if I can do this new program, or this, maybe I, I change my schedule this way. Don't we tend to do that? Um, maybe, for example, it's, oh, I, I've just, I, I haven't been evangelizing enough. Okay, I need to find an evening of my week and figure out some program. We as Americans like to programize things, don't we? Right? We like to, we like to make a program to fix our things. We like to, hey, I want, I want to study the Bible more. Okay, well, why don't I do this and that? And, and yes, finding time in your schedule and these things is important. But at the same time, I would challenge you. But if you're not in the Word of God, if you're not praying, 
There's a greater issue than just your time management. There's a greater issue than just your schedule or a program or this or that, but that it's an issue of the priority of your heart. It's an issue of the devotion of your life. It's an issue of where your affection and your love lies. Because if you have love for a thing, you're naturally going to be spending time towards it, right? Hey, if there's a young man and he loves a young lady, you know what? He wants to spend time with that young lady. Trust me, I'm married to a young lady and I want to spend time with her. (laughs) Right? And, 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 and if there's a love that, that has taken over our, 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 our life for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to want to spend time with him. And so perhaps we don't need to just decide I'm going to spend more time in the Bible. Yes, you should decide that, decide that and resolve to do that. But perhaps I need to repent where I've allowed other idolatry or affections or a love for the lesser things of this world to come and to crowd out my heart and my life and my mind and, and, and I need to repent of those things and, and once again come back to loving the Lord our God. First uh, Timothy 4 says, On the other hand, this is verse 7 and 8, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only a little profitable, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So spiritual disciplines, just because you love the Lord your God of all your heart, soul, strength, and mind doesn't mean they're going to come easy. We still discipline ourselves. But it's a matter of I don't discipline myself thinking that by disciplining myself, that's going to, that's going to have power over my flesh. But I discipline myself because I love God. And, and I, I love him and I've resolved to love him. As a result, I discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. And that discipline is hard. If, you didn't, if it wasn't hard, you wouldn't need discipline, Right? In the same way, if you are disciplining yourself for bodily exercise, which is what Paul is comparing it to here, that's hard, right? I don't have to discipline myself to be a lazy bum. That comes naturally, right? I have to discipline myself to, 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 to stay healthy and to stay fit and these sort of things. In the same way, Paul says, we are to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, this idea of spiritual athletes. Now, as a reminder, and I, I, I've said this to you guys before, I believe, but spiritual disciplines, I like to think of it like, like food, okay? And so the question I always like to ask is, does food create life? Does food create life? And the answer, of course, is no. Food will never create life. So you can jam as much food down the throat of a dead man as you want. He doesn't come alive. In the same way, spiritual disciplines are not there to create life within you. If you're dead in your sins and living in the flesh, and you think that by prayer and, and Bible study and Bible reading and, and evangelizing and all these things, memorizing, going to church, so on, that that's going to create life within you, you're deceiving yourself. Spiritual disciplines have never created life. Their purpose is not to create life. Life is created when we repent and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And through his cleansing blood, we are forgiven of our sins. They are washed away and we, re- we receive that Holy Spirit. We partake of that Lamb of God through the Spirit of God and we have life. Okay? But food sustains life. We'll never create life, but food sustains life. And in the same way, Peter talks about that we are to desire the sincere milk of the word as newborn babes that we may grow thereby. So one of the ways that you grow is through the word of God, right? And, and, and Job talks about desiring the, the word more than his necessary food. So if you're going to grow as a Christian, 
You, you must discipline yourself to get into the Word of God. You must discipline yourself to pray and to seek after God. But if you're dealing with, with, with thinking that you're going to somehow make yourself holy in God's sight and justify yourself and, and set yourself free from sin and make life where there's death through spiritual disciplines, that will never happen. But when you're alive, now all of a sudden you begin to desire the things of God and, 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 and you discipline yourself into things of God, i.e. prayer and, and study and so on, that you might grow thereby, that your, your life would be sustained and grown and mature in Christ as you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I just want to read you a couple of passages here. Psalm 27, 8 says, When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. And, and I've, I've probably said this to you guys before, but when I, when I hear that passage, I always envision the cross. And, and you recognize Jesus died so that you can pray? He did. Because apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, you have no entrance into the throne room of God. You have no righteousness by which you can plead before God. It's only in Christ that we have this position to be able to commune with God in the way that we do. And so it's only through the death of Jesus Christ that we can pray in the way that we do. What an affront that our prayer lives are five minutes a day or, or that we don't get away and, and seek him, to know him, just as our Lord did with his father as he was here on the earth. But he says, seek ye my face. And what more of an invitation to relationship is there than Jesus there on the cross saying, seek me, seek to know me. Seek relationship with me. Pursue relationship with me. That's what seeking the face is. Deuteronomy 4 says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, and thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And from thence being the place where God will ordain for men to seek him. In that time, it was a city, Jerusalem. Now is a place which is in Christ he says in 1 Chronicles, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. And so my challenge to you is, are you seeking Christ? Not just are you praying. Many people of many religions pray. Are you seeking Christ? Are you pursuing after him with all of your heart and with all of thy soul? 100% of you diligently and, and, and discipline yourself to pursue after Christ. Because if we're just saying, well, I'm going to discipline myself to, to read for an hour a day, that's good. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But if it's not a pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's not out of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps we're trying to make something dead alive instead of recognizing that as we are alive, we now discipline ourselves. Why? Because we love him. And we discipline ourselves to pursue him, that we might know him in this relationship with him. And so if I can encourage you in a resolution this year, it, this would be the resolution that, that I would encourage you in. Mark 12, Jesus talks about the greatest commandments. He says, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. 
This is the first commandment. And if I can just, can just freshly lay that before you, that A, as we come into this year, that we would remember the, the Passover, as it were. Not, not, not Egypt, but the delivery from the power of sin, the delivery from the domains of Satan, the delivery from the flesh into this kingdom of Christ, the Passover of the judgment and the, the, the partaking of the life of Christ, and to remember the gospel and walk in light of that and freshly revel in all that Christ has done and resolve in our hearts to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our strength, all of our mind. That's going to play out into your spiritual disciplines. Get into the Word of God. Because if you're not in the Word of God, you're going to shrivel up as a Christian. Or you're not going to be a healthy, growing, mature Christian if you are not prioritizing God's priorities, priorities in your life. But rather than saying, okay, well, I'm going to just try and make time at this time or that time, let's go do that. I would encourage you to examine are there other loves in your life that maybe you've allowed to, to crowd out that but, but if, if prayer is not a priority in your life, if, if, if study is not a priority in your life, if you are not walking in spiritual disciplines, perhaps there's some things you need to repent of and, 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 and resolve afresh to make the Lord our God the, the one thing that we love supremely above all else. Because if you get that, you're going to seek him. If you get that, you're going to get into his word. Why? Because you love him. And if you get that, you're going you're gonna to pray and you're going to love the people around you, right? Which is the second commandment and, and so on. But if you miss that, we could easily find ourselves in a place where we're simply resolving to love ourselves or to do better in the flesh. So, that's my encouragement. Resolve to love God. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Our live Daily Thunder online stream and our live in-studio Daily Thunder experience will be starting back on Monday, January 13th, when our team returns from their much-deserved holiday break. Meanwhile, we encourage you to plan a visit to our beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.